0: Welcome to the Natural History Cupboard. Come on in. And welcome back to the Natural History Cupboard podcast, the place where the weird and wonderful parts of the natural world come together. I'm your host, Gareth, and with me as always are my co-hosts, Aaron. Say hi. Hello there. Hello. Andrew, say hi. Oh, hi. Oh, hi, indeed. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> what have you two been up to this week? You're, you're here. You've not been blown away by the wind. You've not been. Uh... Oh, not had any wind, Oh, it's it's absolutely howling it right outside my window at the moment where I am. So, uh... <laughs> no, it's pretty still. Pretty still here yeah. down in the valley. Well, I was yeah. going to say that's what you get for living, down in a down in a valley. Yeah, yeah, live on the yeah, top we'll... of the hill, and it's all wind.
1: True, little lolly. This valley is jolly.
0: <laughs> you two been up to much? Have we done any interesting nature-based activities? I've
1: not week? done any nature-based activities. Everything I've done has been. I've been working on. I've been looking at a few things for the uh, benefit of the podcast and its listeners. But it's your mystery it's project again. Several,
0: oh. several,
1: but I've, but like I'm, I'm nowhere further along than I'd like to be, really. Um, which I'm actually. Not so secretly, a little bit irritated about, but
0: I'll get, it. I'll get it. Interesting, oh. Drew. What about you? I,
2: I come so ill prepared. I, I come, I come prepared for everything else, but so ill prepared for this bit. I am so bad at it, <laughs> and it seems, it seems like since I came back from the Galapagos, which I went to this year, by the way, um, that I've done nothing. Uh, but actually, today, uh, as uh, part of a, a project, um, I. Assisted ordering three kilos worth of wildflowers, so oh, I wondered nice. where that was good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming three kilos of wildflower seeds. Yes. Or... Yeah. 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 Oh, that's good. Cool. We're gonna
2: snort. <laughs> it's, gonna be,
0: uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna be chunky. <laughs> it's, it's a lot.
2: Um, I'm excited to find out what three kilos worth of wildflower seed actually looks like. Just a large bag
0: of bird seed, really, isn't it? It's a lot
2: yeah <laughs> but you
0: know
2: it's all good it's all gonna get planted it's all gonna be good. Hmm that's good. Yeah. How about you Gareth? What have you done today? Have you come prepared?
0: You know what? I've been racking my brain to no. think have I done anything of any any real note nature wise yeah. this week and I've not really at all. But there is one thing I did do on the way um tonight is I went and Stood for about 10 minutes and just looked at the stars. So it's really nice and clear out where I am. Um, mm-hmm. And did a good bit of looking at different constellations and wishing I knew far more about astronomy than I actually do. So I could spot, you know, um, Orion and the, and the Big Dipper in that. But that's about where my astronomy um, knowledge sort of ends, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was able to spot the unmistakable flashiness of... A plane, so uh, yeah, I could yeah. I could pick that one out, but no, nah, that's, that's about it. There weren't even any owls uh, out and about where they normally are. So yeah, been a rather been a rather lacklustre week, I suppose in that sense.
2: Yeah, fortunately so. Yep. But, at least you weren't we, doing astrology.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> I did see that the uh, the moon was in retrograde and uh, Jupiter yeah. was spinning towards me and causing me to. Duck under a bridge or something. I don't know.
2: Yeah, how are your chakras with all that wind as well?
0: They're all. They're, I mean, they're all over the place. The thing yeah, is, I, unfortun- I unfortunately, I unfortunately left be. them out on the balcony, and you know they've been blown all over the place.
2: You should never leave your chakras unattended. No, well, chakra, chakra identity theft is um, very prolific in this day and age.
1: <laughs> look what look what happened to Thanos. One minute well, all his yeah. chakras are in the glove, and the next minute they're in Tony's.
0: Exactly. Mm. Exactly. He didn't and even the, know. And the he issue you can cause with your chakras...
1: Hey.
0: Yeah. Go to the doctor well, if I your think... chakras aren't aligned. <laughs> I think we've this dry. Yeah, I think maybe. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> what we've got this week will, uh, will alleviate your chakras. There you go, I've got another one in there. Um, yeah. But also make up for our lack of, well, anything interesting that we've done this week. So, um... Mm. <laughs> Let's dive into the things first off by uh, by opening it up with the news. It's the news! Right, well, we're into this week's news. Uh, Aaron is going to start things off. Aaron, what have you got? Um, I've got... What could possibly be controversial? news controversial news. <laughs> I, don't
1: know, I think it's. I think it could be good news. I can see why people would be worried. I can yeah, see why. Yeah. I. I am a little bit worried, but oh. if it's done well, then I think this could. This could work. Uh, so the headline. I'm not going to tell you what news source it came from because it's literally everywhere. It's in BBC News and some of the more environmentally minded news sources to, to things as base as uh Unilad and that type of thing. But I also sort of headline... on
0: the side of a bus. Did, did,
2: well oh. actually yeah, mine it... is was also on Unilad as well this week. So we've we both got very oh very wow basic news. Very basic news. Yeah. <laughs> basic <laughs> news this week everyone.
1: Be careful with the news that you see on the side of a bus, Gareth <laughs> Entire countries bus, entire it. nations can be led astray by news <laughs> on the side of a bus. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> very true. Uh, anyway the headline is paint wolves to be shot at dutch wolves in bid to make them less tame so essentially due to concerns that eurasian grey wolves are losing their fear of humans fears have arisen that the animals themselves could be in danger which is nice that's uh-huh. nice i think mm-hmm. it's nice mm-hmm. that that they're concerned about the wolves as opposed to uh, uh, as opposed to the people or should i say they're concerned about the wolves as well as the people that's that's nice the provincial government in Arnhem made the decision after a family in in Velaway National Park entered wolf territory, and unsurprisingly had a wolf stroll past them. The actual articles, in true media morning. fashion, have uh, <laughs> morning. I'm just going out for my deer. Would you like some venison? I'm I'm on my way to the natural butcher. In true media fashion, this wolf
2: sounds stuck up. It does sound, he, sounds, he
1: sounds a little bit gammon, which would make the, the gammon upset, I suppose. Yeah. The articles are actually worded as the wolf strolled past the family in the national park. But I thought it wiser to mention that they were in the wolf's range when the wolf walked past. Uh, this wolf wasn't walking past the family garden in a suburb. It was in its own home and people entered it and nothing happened. It just walked on by. Uh, It did stop to look at them and take it in, but I think if you're used to things that are furry and you see a big naked ape in front of you, then it is worth looking at and thinking, what's going on over there? Especially if it
2: is actually naked. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Naturalists in the woods. Anyway, even the article states that the wolf just strolled past. That's the article's words, uh, which sounds very calm and amicable, but Calm Mm -hmm. around humans is not actually the default mental state of a wolf that finds itself among, like I said, the hairless apes. Uh, Similarly, nor is aggression. Indeed, despite the broken dreams of many a wolf lover who hears me say this, wolves are cowardly, and they're
0: skittish, and they're flighty. Sorry to interrupt, but Mm. are we actually sure that this is a wolf? Uh, In the video,
1: the video is certainly wolf. Fair enough. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm just video. wondering
0: whether it's, you know, that that usual penchant that people have for not being able to tell what an animal is at distance and oh, making well, but, it yeah, out to I be the biggest, and more dangerous thing than it could possibly be when it's someone's German shepherd that just happens to have gone off the lead.
1: Well, there are three very interesting factors to this news article. Oh, uh, yeah. And I know you're drawing parallels to to <laughs> big cats in Britain. Very so, much so. <laughs> <laughs> so factor number one is that this is an animal that naturally occurs there and not a myth that has existed for decades. Secondly, whereas when someone says, oh, look at the big cat I caught on camera and actually it's a muntjac deer or a dog that's that's just very blurry because they've zoomed in over several fields worth of distance. This video is actually very clear. And thirdly, the distance factor as I say, that jack or dog that someone's mistaken for a, a leopard is usually fields away. In this case, the wolf is literally on the road just passing them by whilst they stand by with their bicycles waiting for it to get out of the way. It's got to be within five to 10 metres of them. Hmm. Um, now, the last thing I said before we we digress there a little bit was that these things are cowly. I, I do want to say that I we all like wolves here. Mm -hmm. They're beautiful and fascinating animals, but they are nonetheless cowardly. And if you see a wild wolf, you are incredibly lucky. They often will head for cover or shelter in their dens when they pick you up, like they see you, smell you, hear you, whatever that is. However, perhaps that is the problem because this wolf should have kept a long distance away, but was comfortable enough to continue its route. The reason this method of shooting them with paintballs has been decided upon is to Essentially, avoid this and re encourage them uh, to stay away. So, yeah, the decision's been made on, on twofold reasoning. Basically, firstly, it's hoped that the characteristic kind of micro punch of a paintball, which Gareth can tell you what that feels like when it hits him point blank in the spine on a stag do. Um, yeah,
0: and yeah. Actually
2: yeah. Hit, yeah, it hits him near his um, surgical scar as well.
0: Oh, Top yeah. tip yeah. for everyone don't mm. have surgery, then have your stag do, which is. <laughs> a uh paintball session yeah and then expose yourself to being hit <laughs> dead on center wise on your uh fairly still recent surgical scar yeah it's not great
2: i can only apologize <laughs> gareth didn't know about the paintball though no <laughs> he didn't know that was happening I mean, to be to fair, be fair so you, you did you hit breathing. him in the
1: surgical scar did you oh uh, yeah because there, yeah. there was one point where I was right behind him lying down in like this grassy bit and he walked right past me he walked right past me and it was at that range where you're supposed to shout surrender but I thought ah, it's his stag dude
2: <laughs> They shot you right in the spine <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. that was such a good day it was a very good day
0: you did bring a pillow to try and shove down my jumper we to, did, uh, uh, that's true but it, it exactly. fit, <laughs> we cared. We cared. You cared we, enough to bring a pillow. We cared enough.
2: Use. And then when the color didn't fit, which off. Oh, whatever. That's if a good a, stag If day. a paintball that goes towards his surgical star, that's just the gods have decided that. <laughs> your chakras <laughs> that are time. <laughs> he
1: he was aiming for your head, mate, but you know well Luke. Yep. Loki took it where it wanted, where he wanted it.
0: <laughs> All I can say is I'm no longer <laughs> wanting to go anywhere near any Dutch uh, cyclists in the middle of a wood. You know. Uh...
2: no.
1: So yeah, that characteristic kind of stinging sensation from a paintball will hopefully cause the discomfort and shock necessary to encourage the wolves to rediscover their natural fear of people and yep. stay at least thirty meters mm-hmm. away from us. Gareth, I try and do that all the time. We yeah. shot you 30 metres away from us. Yeah. paintballs would have been great during lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two metres um, are huge. Uh, so, so secondly, the paint that is administered by a bursting round will mark the wolves for a limited period. And this is really important and key here because it allows the rangers to identify animals who have been hit. And so, repeat offenders and potentially problematic uh, individuals. This actually links into a topic that we're all very passionate and outspoken about here in the uh, cupboard, and that's pest creation. It's been claimed by the environmental agency Fauna burmachin that the park officials have been feeding the wolves. Specifically, they claim to have reason to believe that the park owner himself is responsible for this, which is a little bit cheeky considering he had the absolute gall to suggest that wolves didn't belong in the Netherlands in the first place, apparently. Interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, so, so what's wrong with feeding your favourite wild animals where you find them? Well, invariably, they start to seek people out. And whether we're talking about herring gulls on Devonian seaside villages or leopards in the Indian urban environments, this interaction always leads to conflict. And where human-animal conflict occurs, the animals always lose. By feeding these wolves, if that's what's truly occurring here, then the park officials are participating in animal training, just not directly and not particularly well. The wolves will associate people with food. They'll lose their aversion to us. They'll seek us out, and then people will find it cute and maybe even risk sharing some of their picnic. Mm. And then one day, the wolves will come, and the person, for a variety of reasons, won't offer food. Feed aggression may occur, maybe even an attack. But thanks in large part to our idiotic nursery rhymes and the anti-wolf propaganda we find in folklore, all it takes to send wolves back to near oblivion is one growl or one snap or one freak accident. That will be enough for the witch hunt to begin in earnest. According to a study in June, there are 20 wolves in the Netherlands and with pups born this year, it's likely that they're comfortable enough to enjoy a steady healthy increase if left well enough alone. Another factor here is that This loss of fear won't just put people and wolves at risk, but also other species such as mouflon, certain birds, reptiles and inverts that all share the habitat with them. Now, this announcement, Mm -hmm. fortunately, does not permit anyone to carry a paintball gun (laughs) and target the wolves. Only the rangers may carry this activity out, and their purpose is to scare, not to hurt the animals, which is important.
0: Yeah, but I have a feeling that in their downtime, they're just having impromptu paintball rounds with each other. In the so once of us with party.
1: each other. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, that would be so much fun. But hey, even if they did that, surely they're carrying out their purpose because two yeah, idiots yeah. running around a forest screaming and giggling is is going to keep wolves away <laughs> yeah. quite, uh, quite well. Yeah. 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 So yeah, go for it if if you want to have a quick five minute paintball fight in your lunch break, go for it. <laughs> now, there will be those out there who think this is a cruel practice, and I myself um kind of. I'm not on the fence, but I do recognise that there is a risk here for this to be abused. Hopefully park rangers who are working here are working there because they love it and they love looking after animals. So it shouldn't be abused. But it must be said that if we are to enter into an age of true coexistence with predators, then we do need to look at a novel and extensive way to uh, keep predators safe from us and us safe from them. If a little <laughs> micro punch feeling of discomfort that fades in moments is the price to pay for keeping wolves thriving, livestock existing and humans comfortable, then it's an infinitely small price to keep the circle of trust happy. Like I say, I don't really want any animals to suffer, but these guys have thick coats and strong muscles. It's wouldn't even so much as bruise them. And I doubt that it will cause the same stinging sensation that it would on us, because we don't have that protection of fur, even through clothing. Mm. Cloving's quite flat, so it still creates that slap. But trust me, whilst Europe is far more tolerant of wolves, if just one attack occurs over there, there will be a witch hunt over there, and the Brits will completely shut the door of potential reintroduction over here, and then you'll have the Americans calling for wolves to be eradicated again as well, using this occurrence as justification. So, yeah, one paint-stained wolf feeling a short-lived episode of stress is better than many wolves being slaughtered. But, yeah, I open the floor up to you guys. What do you guys think?
2: Uh, well, I, th- you, I think yeah. I think it sounds quite sensible to me. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, being, I suppose, cruel to be kind, isn't it? But there's not that much cruelty. If it's no, just- it's,
0: it's a very minimal it's just, amount.
2: It's just a, a couple of paintballs going off.
0: You, you said it perfectly, um, you know, the sting of a paintball as opposed to the, the sting of a bullet. Is going yeah. to be far more preferable, especially if yeah, there's right. only 20. I didn't even realize there were wolves in the Netherlands.
1: Uh, the wolves across Europe currently are enjoying a slow but steady increase in spread. It's actually, uh, I always quite thought positive. they were further
0: either north or further south. So, sort of, both, probably, yeah,
1: yeah, they are both. Yeah, hmm. yeah, I'd, I'd like, like you said, Gareth, I, I'd rather someone who loves and admires wolves shooting one with a paintball gun and causing a tiny little sting maybe rather than some revenge fueled hater going out there and shooting it in the head with a rifle. Yeah. And ending the wolf. Definitely. And like I said, if rangers start noticing that wolf has already been painted and it's come back, bang, shoot it again with the paintball gun. Oh, well, come back They're again also have to the be next fairly... day. You're gonna identify problematic animals. And yeah. And you then have the notice period, the heads up period to be able to try and enforce different ways.
0: It also relies on the fact that these uh, rangers are actually going to have to be able to get close enough to shoot them. As Um, friendly as you're saying they they may be, I still think they're going to be wary enough to go, hmm, they're coming towards me now. Oh, okay. All of a sudden, there's things whizzing past me.
1: From what I understand, the rangers can't approach them and shoot them. The wolves have to get within 30 metres of them, of their own accord that's how this is going to work so if yeah, the, yeah, which we'll means means pop and then send them off
0: well we'll just have to see so if there's anyone uh, in the netherlands uh, who's listening and you happen to see a multicolored wolf let us know <laughs>
1: yeah i did actually want to close up that one polish this article off but by asking people that do do you guys out there think that paintball and the wolf it's justifiable the way I worded that then uh maybe giggle or so. Do you think it's justifiable to do this in order to keep each of the species involved safe? Let us know. Mm-hmm. Get in contact.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Right. Well, we'll go from uh, from Dutch Wolves to Drew. Drew, what have you got for us?
2: So the article I brought with me for uh, this week is titled Actor Changes His Name to Rainfall Heatwave Extreme Weather Wilson as Climate Protest. So, as, as many people may have gathered, uh, this actor is Rain Wilson, who's probably most well known as playing Dwight, the ignorant slut in the US office. So, in a video posted to Twitter, he said, uh, and I quote, as a cheap little stunt to help save planet Earth, I've changed my name on Twitter, Instagram, and even on my fancy writing paper. Though in the on- ongoing thread, he did reveal that he could not actually change his name on twitter saying p.s they won't let me change my name because elon uh, who is an actual <laughs> ignorance thought uh anyway so he added uh, i changed my name to help tell the world leaders and influencers that we need to act now uh, and suggested alternate names for other notable figures in the entertainment industry including cardi the arctic bee melting amy polar bears are endangered Harrison, not why not drive an electric Ford? Oh, and like Leonardo, do polar ice Caprio are melting? <laughs> uh, so I mentioned this this article to you guys uh, a little bit earlier in the week,
0: mm. because
2: well, it's, it's quite interesting. It's pretty funny. Did we think of any other
0: names? I'm really bad people? at this. I've, I've tried so, so many combinations of things, and they all... They all just came up flat.
1: <laughs> one of mine is really bad, but I'm going to say it anyway because when have go I on. ever shied away from embarrassing people myself <laughs> with my own humor? Um, sure. Mine was Jim Care Enough About the Worldy. No, no. That's
2: like all right. It. That's all okay. right. Oh, it's okay. I feel sorry. Right. Oh, hang on. All right. I think, I,
0: think you... I might. Oh, go on. Go on. I think I might have one. Extinction Rebellion Wilson.
2: Extinction Rebellion Wilson. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Oh, no, yeah. Sorry. It, put... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah yeah, we got it yeah that's not bad it's not bad i've got i've got a few that i wrote down oh good uh i've got uh can you feel the west winds getting stronger i've got <laughs> daniel radical cliff erosion
0: oh i like that one <laughs>
2: uh Orlando blooming hell is hot <laughs> uh, louis global temperatures are through the roof <laughs> ah. <laughs> and and my last one which is quite long is uh elijah if you go down to the wood today it might be gone <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you want to make a statement, make it a mouthful. <laughs>
0: I like um, these. These are these yeah, are
2: good. So again, I suppose to, to our listeners, if you if you think of any of those, just feel free to reel them off oh, to yes. us because it's some
0: good fun. Good we fun. like them puns. Yeah.
2: And uh, obviously thank you for Rain Wilson for just starting this ball rolling. Um <laughs> but yeah, but just back to the article. So he is a, a board member of Arctic Base Camp. Hmm. He said their mission is to raise awareness of the global risks of Arctic weather change. Uh, the effort hmm. to mobilise people to change their names is being launched as world leaders gather for COP27 in Egypt. In oh, a that, statement that waste of time. <laughs> yeah, well... Is, Sponsored it? by
0: Coca-Cola.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Genuinely is this year. <laughs> it's a joke, in not it? Wow. it says what you needed to say, doesn't it? As- really?
0: Especially when they said to them about changing... To glass bottles, they went. No, we feel that our customer base really prefers plastic bottles. Mm.
1: But if COP is good for anything, it's going to be a great paid nap for all the uh, the MPs, especially the British ones.
0: Well, well, it's when they can be bothered to turn up. I mean, you know, to have a good week's worth of uh, cajoling Rishi Sunak there, our new uh, overlord. He was he was there for less than a day, wasn't he? Was it less than a day?
2: I'm pretty sure he was. There less I bet than that. A day. I bet yeah. that was
0: worth flying him all the way out to Egypt for. Yep.
2: But the um the he who shall not be named anymore because he's not the prime minister anymore. He's apparently he's you know because he wants to stay in the uh the limelight. He's still around and uh, saying some stupid things again. But yeah, we uh,
0: can uh, power the country with badgers uh, and rhubarb. Yes. Something like that. I think that's
2: what he said. I think that is what he said. (laughs) Probably not far from it. Uh, So yeah, in a a statement, Rain Wilson called on others to log on to, I quote, uh, ArcticRiskName.org and create a name that will bring attention to this problem. Then, and this is the important part, change your social media profile or display name to match your new Arctic Risk name. Uh, If enough of us do this, then maybe COP27 will be where our world leaders sit upon. And notice uh, Arctic risks and introduce a solution. So, you know, worth a try, isn't it? And it ultimately is a mm. bit of fun. And uh, yeah, I mean, sends sends a message out. But I'm sure people will whine, as they often do, and say, oh, I hate it when celebrities just get political and start spouting their opinions around, despite that in itself being an opinion. Um, well, they and then love they, also... when,
1: they love it when when it's an opinion that, that matches
2: theirs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 They're all on board then. But anyway, so famous people are allowed to have opinions too, obviously. And I like where uh, rainfall, heatwave, extreme weather, Wilson is uh, is going with
0: this. Mm. It's not the sort of thing you can easily fit on a business card, but, you know, I'm sure he doesn't need <laughs> too many of those. I mean, we could even try doing it for the podcast, but I don't think the natural history cupboard, it would work. Uh, the natural, uh, his- or oh, the natural, podcasts. are we going to be history covered?
2: Well, we'll find out if we lose any listeners, yeah. <laughs> uh, <it's, laughs> it says natural zombie oh.
1: fires burning history cupboard. <laughs> oh.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay.
2: Fair enough.
1: <laughs> a little
0: bit more horror movie than uh Natural uh,
1: Harsh Heatwave History Cupboard. Oh, that one kind of works. Oh. Natural yep. supply chain disruption history cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I'll yep. stop now. I'll stop now. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So wow. yes, this uh this website's clearly there. I'm assuming it's an auto generator sort of thing. Yeah cool <laughs> right well we'll move on from our natural history heat wave devastating cupboard and we will head into this week's creature feature then it's the creature feature right well we're into this week's creature feature um i am going to be going on about a species not one individual species, in fact. This is more a family of animals because it is such an extensive group. To focus on one would probably be unfair. Also, would be very, very boring if I then went over a different species because they are very basically the same. Oh. However, the family itself is utterly fascinating. There are very few animals that have ever been as successful as this group, which Drew, I know you were saying to me before you didn't know much about them, but we'll know. get on to them in a minute. Know. So we're going to start this creature feature off on the muddy sea bottom of the early Cambrian period, roughly 521 million years ago, Oh, my favorite. when the world was a very odd place. There's no fish, no sharks, uh, no squid, octopus. Forget the idea of any kind of land animals, um, there wouldn't even be breathable air on land for at least 70 million years and even then we wouldn't be able to breathe it it would still be just very simple creatures I was gonna at this say, point, how, how how can we be there looking at it well imagine wearing an oxygen suit okay. a diving suit if you will <laughs> yeah. because you're not going to want to see much on land there's nothing it's boring there's no uh, soil there's no plants It's it's basically a barren rocky surface but as soon as you got into the sea these very primitive seas, well, you'd be surrounded by the very first reef communities, but like I say, no fish. The most advanced creature that you're going to see uh, is the one and only king of the Radiodonts, uh, and that is Anomalocaris, which we have covered uh, in episode 12 this year, Mm -hmm. which seems like an awfully long time ago. It does, actually. Um, I actually had to look back to make sure that it was this year. I thought it was last year. (laughs) (laughs) Anomalocaris. But it was, in fact, this year. So this is by far the uh, dominant predatory species um that is swooping around in these seas. It's actually the the real kickoff of the evolutionary arms race that would drive evolution for millions of years and lead uh, right the way up to everything from dinosaurs and humans, bears, rhinos, you name it. this this period in history is determining how life would look on the planet for millions of years to come.
2: Mm, No pressure.
0: No, I know. No pressure for for things. So, so yeah, listen to that episode if you want to hear more about that uh, particular uh, period in Earth's history and this first super predator. Uh, However, we're looking at one of the most famous fossil creatures also from this time period and a few other time periods, and that is the trilobites. The trilobites are... Quintessential stock image for prehistoric creatures in a lot of ways. Insert stock image here. Uh, (laughs) There are a group of animals that are so tough, it actually took four mass extinctions to finish them off. These are tough little creatures. They have the backing of many a person. Um, I personally love going fossil hunting for them. I've gone to two different locations to find them. They're also the National Fossil of Wales, which is weird because England and Scotland don't seem to have their own national fossils. Which definitely think we should have our own national fossils. There, there isn't even a national fossil of Britain, which yeah. I also think there should be. But we can get to that at another point. So, like I say, it took four mass extinctions to kill these uh, tough little buggers off. So, what exactly is a trilobite? Trilobites, as their name suggests, uh, when you break it down, tri-lobe creatures. Trilobite meaning small three-lobed creatures. They have three main lobes to their body, three main body parts. Uh, The best way to describe one is by starting with the large sort of semicircular head or tagma, which is the correct term for it, which is like a head shield, which dependent on the species, either has large or small eyes, large eyes that are on stalks, large eyes that look like a wraparound sort of visor, Even some of them that have tiny little eyes, uh, as well as ones that have two giant eyes that meet in the middle, almost forming one singular giant eye. Along with that, they've also got head spikes, weird little pitchfork uh, attachments at the front, all sorts of different ornamentation. It all depends on the individual species. If you type in trilobites onto Google or something like that, you will be met with a variety of head shapes, sizes, ornamentation. It's absolutely bizarre. These creatures pretty much did it all when it came to how to look. So the eyes themselves are one of the most amazing features of the trilobite's head. They are actually complex compound eyes and some of the real first complex compound eyes made up with lenses of calcite, um, a characteristic of all trilobite eyes, which is not really found in any other groups of animals today so the eyes when they fossilize as well are usually exquisitely preserved Uh, certainly on some of the moroccan specimens the eyes are as clear as day you can see exactly what this animal's body looked like Uh, and even the earliest of uh, trilobites had complex compound eyes with lenses uh, in them and it it is very much a characteristic of most of the species uh, of trilobite So the body itself, moving down from this head shield behind it, uh, has one large central row of segmented body parts called the cephalon. And then the thorax at its rear, which is basically a small bum shield, I guess you could call it, (laughs) if we want to go that way. (laughs) Uh, in In some species, it's more elaborate and actually forms like a shield. In some, it is basically the tail end of the trilobite. Uh, and on either side of this central group of uh, of body parts are the fringed longitudinal lobes, uh, also known as the pleura, which are the sort of, well, spiky bits on the outside that give the body an overall sort of, uh, the best way I could describe it is a sort of flat egg shape, almost. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to describe exactly that sort of shape of a trilobite unless you know what a trilobite already looks like, and then you don't need to have it described to you realistically. (laughs) (laughs) So underneath, if you were to flip these guys over, underneath this carapace of of hard exoskeleton, um, they have multiple pairs of legs that allow the animal to scurry across the ocean bed. Now, some of them had slightly more adaptions to these that allowed them to swim mid-water. There were actually some swimming trilobites. Some of them were far more seabed based and would have been very good at digging and had slightly more beefier legs for doing exactly that the one thing that they do have is uh legs and they also have sort of small swimming uh, arms further up on the body that allow them to actually move water around them and help to oxygenate what they are breathing in so they are really good at being able to make the best of pretty much any situation that they were in these hard shell survivors are arthropods which means that they have jointed legs. Um, The arthropods as a group are very much still around today. Uh, Insects, spiders, horseshoe crabs, crabs as well. Uh, Millipede, shrimp, woodlice. Side note as well, even though they might look uh, similar, um, they are not in fact living descendants of trilobites. Woodlice are more closely related to shrimp and pill bugs, which uh, some people may be familiar with, which are the ones that roll into little balls, are more closely related to millipedes than to, uh, well, either of them to trilobites. There are no living descendants of trilobites, sadly, today. So their hard exoskeletons kept them safe from attack uh, from most things, apart from predators like Anomalocaris. Uh, and you'll see that uh, the trilobites basically pushed the boat out when it came to learning how to evolve new tricks and methods to being in this evolutionary arms race for millions of years to come. So some trilobite fossils have also been found uh, rolled up, a bit like pillbugs, curled up hmm. uh, and fossilized in that same state for protection. Uh, and evidence suggests this sort of what's known as enrollment or volvation oh. yeah. volvation oh. which is a brilliant word that mm. I found in the process <laughs> of doing the research for this particular species uh, help protect against the inherent weakness of arthropod exoskeletons which basically was a way of coping with being attacked by carids. so they were able to roll themselves into a ball and that meant that there's very little chance that the anomalocaris would be able to sort of really find an edge to start Crunching down on. And the way that we found these specimens as well seems to have come from mudslides that have happened underwater. Um, most of the ones that have been rolled up appear to be in places like Morocco, um, which is very heavily covered in trilobite fossils. What seems to have happened is small groups of trilobites uh, on the seabed have basically had a whole sort of mudslide come over the top of them whilst they were in this curled up state, basically preserving them perfectly. Uh, and in very, very pretty poses as well for people to then find millions of years later. Side note on that is some of the most exquisite specimens from Morocco. They have a truly amazing way of preparing them as well. They look absolutely stunning. Um, And the ones that do come out of there are, even though they they were living creatures, they are almost works of art. The sort of skill that goes into the preparation of them. Uh, I don't know whether you guys want to look up some of the Moroccan trilobites, whilst we're oh, talking, as yeah. so you can see. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, where do you think you guys would find trilobites? Now, I've mentioned two places in the world where you'd Morocco? find them, Wales and Morocco. Oh.
2: Um,
0: But uh, can you think of anywhere else where you might find them?
2: Everywhere.
1: Yeah. Aaron? I was thinking everywhere, but to be more specific, what about the Arctic?
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> Everywhere is is pretty much what I've got, actually. The simple answer is everywhere. Uh, these arthropods are found in pretty much every marine paleo environment from the, uh, the times that they've been found. They're from extremely shallow waters to very deep waters. It would appear to be uh, as well uh, going into almost freshwater systems as well, um, in coastal, you name it. Uh, cold water, warm water, they seem to have gone wherever they possibly could. Uh, And trilobites are found on all modern continents uh, and seem to have occupied every ancient ocean from which Paleozoic fossils have been collected. So there's a good chance you could go trilobite fossil hunting wherever you are in the world. Um, you just got to have the right age of rocks. They were very, very common all over the place. Like I say, they were true masters of their marine habitat. So why don't we have trilobites around today if they were so successful? Because I'd absolutely love them to be around today. I think they'd be awesome little creatures to see if you went swimming. The uh, the simple answer is they have suffered, well, greatly actually, over millions of years. They got driven bit by bit extinct. Um, when I say bit by bit, this is over a very long period of time uh, that the trilobites were around for. Mm. So they were doing fine up until about... 445 million years ago, uh, when Earth's climate basically dealt a a double blow to life. This is all life on the planet at this point. Uh, A dramatic cooling changed the Earth's ocean currents uh, and locked up loads of Earth's water in the poles and basically, well, into a a small ice age at this point, which dramatically lowered sea levels uh, and wiped out about half of all trilobite families in the oceans globally. So... 50% 50% gone. At uh-huh. this point, we also lost about 20% of all living species as well. But to lose 50% of all representatives of your your group of animals is pretty devastating. This is during what's known as the Ordovician-Silurian extinction event. The families that managed to fare well and survive were ones that were better adapted to cooler seas, uh, where the survivors went on basically under the same sort of evolutionary pressures that they've always suffered from, but were able to do it in a much slower style. Usually these animals that live in colder waters grow at a much slower rate. They usually grow quite big and uh, they seem to be able to survive in slightly better ways as well. However, the next real blow for these guys happened about 420 million years ago. This is when the first jawed fish start showing up. So up until this point, they've only really had to worry about anomalocarids, sea scorpions, and the first sort of members of the squids, uh, an octopus and nautiloids. But now jawed fish have turned up. So this has ramped up the the amount of predators that are around. So jawed fish appeared about this time and puts lots of new pressure on trilobites. Uh, And sure enough, this is the point where we start to see a great variation of spiny and spiky trilobites turning up in the evolutionary record as well. So they started to adapt. It took them a couple of million years to really sort of uh, be able to cope with this uh, big invasion of these creatures that could come along, swim up to them and just crunch them into pieces. Um, So they started getting spikes to cope with that. But this isn't all of it. Earth's environment still had more surprises in store. And around 375 million years ago, reef communities began to collapse for some absolutely unknown reason. There are so many other species that seem to have disappeared at this point as well, like the jawless fishes. But this is where it gets even more depressing for the trilobites, because only four families of trilobites were left uh, after this point. So we're down to four families worth of trilobites. Um, This was the late Devonian extinction where this happened. So they keep on going until eventually the final death knell came when the greatest extinction that the world has ever seen happened, and that was the Permian end extinction, uh, otherwise known as the Great Dying, which happened about 252 million years ago when almost 90% of life on Earth was wiped out. It almost reset earth as a biome and it was what finished off the trilobites they had gone through an amazing amount of evolutionary uh, history they'd grown to the size of bath mats uh, they grew from the size of tiny tiny little coin sized uh, trilobites right the way up to these giants uh, they lived in every single ocean and sea and basically took advantage of everything that was around them so they were amazingly successful animals for their time, but the likelihood is that like so many other animals throughout geological history, uh, they would have eventually been outcompeted, and jawless fish seem to have done uh, a good number on them when it came to that. So we no longer have our trilobites today, which is a shame, but trilobites themselves are what's known as a geologist's tool or a paleontologist's tool. Uh, because they appeared in the Cambrian period and became extinct at the end of the Permian period, In Britain, trilobites occur in rocks of Cambrian, Ordovician, and Silurian age. Uh, For example, in Wales uh, and the Welsh borderland, and in Devonian rocks of southwest England, where we are, uh, and in Carboniferous rocks in places like Lancashire. So they're actually what are known as indicator fossils. They're ones that can tell us that we're looking at the right rocks. Because they're so common, and because they show up in very precise orders, we can use them as basically a roadmap of uh, geological history. So geologists use trilobites in a variety of ways uh, to help them understand how the earth has developed. One use is relative dating and stratigraphal uh, correlation of sedimentary rock successions, especially in in rocks of Cambrian and early Ordovician age. Uh, Trilobites are particularly important for correlating these Cambrian rocks. Uh, And one species that's really useful is called paradoxes, for example, which is generally found in England, Wales, Newfoundland, Sweden, Spain, and Siberia, uh, and shows that these rocks are all of the same age, the Middle Cambrian. So other useful trilobites for this sort of way of telling things apart include Merlinia, which is named after Merlin from the early Ordovician, as well as another one called uh, Calimenea from the Silurian. So there are a variety of these very quite noticeable species that are used throughout geological history another use of trilobites in geology uh, is actually to reconstruct past geographies so obviously the earth has changed quite a bit and working out this paleogeography and past environments uh, the all the early ordovician trilobite petagarius found in the northwest of scotland but nowhere else in britain is also found in north america And early Ordovician trilobites from England and Wales, uh, known as Platycarpia, are unlike those from North America, but are also found in France, Spain, Portugal, Bohemia, and North Africa. This is evidence showing that much of Scotland was closer to North America about 500 million years ago, and was separated from southern Britain by an ocean that has been known as the Lapitas Ocean. So, essentially... The Ocean. (laughs) If you imagine... The Atlantic doesn't exist at this point. Oh. Um, you end up with north the eastern coast of North America going up to Greenland. And imagine just cutting the top of, uh, well, Northern Ireland and Scotland off from the UK, putting them closer to Greenland. England and Wales and the southern half of Ireland is now essentially where it is in relation to uh, continental Europe today. And put an ocean in between them. You end up with these very, very similar types of trilobites in the same places., mm. um, but all that's happened is Scotland uh, has drifted towards England, and eventually they collide together. and they've the um the collision of these continental plates actually created what are known as the Caledonian mountains. And there are mountain ranges that are technically connected to parts of North America in Britain today. and uh, it it just shows that, you know, the past, geological environment that was there before so the trilobites are incredibly useful animals for being able to uh, to tell us about the past uh they're also like i say the national fossil of wales they're also incredibly funky little looking things and definitely one of my favorite fossils to uh, to go looking for and one that i yeah genuinely wish we had uh, trilobites still with us today but um yeah there is the rain and the fall of the trilobites, like I say, we could quite easily go on about individual species, but I don't think it would be anywhere near as uh, as as fun as the whole sort of overarch of uh, of trilobites themselves.
2: Oh. forgive me for asking, because you may have already given the answer to this. Mm-hmm. Do we know how many? Well, how many species have been discovered?
0: A trilobite. The well, the the number that I've got is about twenty thousand species. Which I got so carried away with um carried away with looking at the stratigraphy and and how they're used by geologists and paleontologists to reconstruct things like uh, you know, paleo environments. I honestly completely forgot about uh, even including that. But wow. yeah, there's roughly about 20,000. I certainly know that there are more being named all the time because they do show up from all over the place. Did you guys manage to see some pictures of uh, Moroccan trilobites? It was spiky. Oh, yeah. Some of the the, the fossil preparation skills mm. that those guys have are unbelievable. It's amazing. Yeah, they've
1: managed to get right around mm. the entire thing, haven't they?
0: Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's just it. They genuinely almost guard those skills because it, it is such a a highly detailed way of doing it. It's an art. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. they're exported all o- across the world. So yeah, they're a really amazing looking creatures. And you know, I'm sure we'll come back to them at some point. Right. Well, let's go into our. Um, Mailbag, shall we? Bing, you've got mail. Ooh, it's an email. Right. Well, we're into this week's mailbag, and our listener question that we had uh, was, "What is your favorite dinosaur from the country that you live in?" And we had a few responses. We, in fact, these are these are quite good global responses. The first one mm. comes to us all the way from Switzerland, starting closer to home. Uh, it's from uh, Mickey Law, uh, and she has said. A couple of years ago there was a theropod found in northern switzerland i can't quite remember its name but it had frick somewhere into its name <laughs> <Nice>. something frikensis <laughs> i actually think based on quickly looking this one up when i got that reply in uh, that she was talking about a dinosaur that we actually featured as a news article on the podcast at some point and i, I spent a while looking back but i still couldn't find it no um, freaking way So the dinosaur that she's actually talking about, uh, like I say, I'm fairly certain we covered on the podcast at some point. And it's a small theropod uh, dinosaur that appears to be very sort of uh, Coelophysis-like from the late Triassic period. And yes, it does in fact have Frick in its name. Uh, It is Frickensis. It's known as Nota tesseraraptor frickensis. It's basically, it was a new species uh, that was found all the way back in... 2016. Oh. So I don't think many we have moons on ago. It. We may have, <laughs> we haven't been around that long.
2: That was a bad year. It was probably by the yeah. call that they went off oh, for <laughs> another dinosaur. <laughs>
0: oh, <fucking> dinosaurs. So... <laughs> so, Jess Riley has said, Oh, I've got a good one for you. Spinosaurus from Kenya. And then she's included a link to an article about some pieces of Spinosaurus being found in Kenya. So it would appear that mm. it may have. Uh, ventured that far from egypt which is that's a fair old distance um, even at that point in geological history and the the other half who is out in thailand at the moment quite likes a titanosaur from thailand although they couldn't give the specific name for it so doing a little bit of digging it, there is actually some evidence for spinosaurus fossils coming from kenya with the possibility that it may have gone that far and there are certainly more than a few species of titanosaur um, that have been found in thailand and parts of southern asia so we move from thailand and kenya uh, we move all the way down to uh, down under because i've got some responses from australia here for us ellis jackson uh, has said uh, his favorite choice uh, would be old banjo or australia venator wintonensis Uh, he looked like a fast and mean kind of character, he reckons, uh, which is very true because uh, that's an awesome species of dinosaur. The banjo part comes from the fact that it was it got the nickname after Banjo Patterson, who wrote, who's a, an Australian poet who wrote "The Man from Snowy River," um, which probably means absolutely nothing to anyone outside of Australia. Um, the other response from Australia comes from Nick Wilhelm, uh, who has said um, his favourite dinosaur would be Matilda the giant titanosaur from australia it gets its name also from a um, from an australian poem waltzing matilda mm. they seem to have named a lot of these dinosaurs from winton um, which is in northern queensland after various different literary things uh, thought, in australia
2: i thought you were going to say matilda the uh, the dinosaur from robot wars the triceratops
0: <laughs> oh my god that's, chainsaw that chainsaw tail is that your favorite dinosaur? Is that's my favorite dinosaur. <laughs> Aaron, I think you had a response as well. Did from from?
1: I have a response from my partner. She answered, and Atta said that she likes Aragosaurus ischiaticus, um, which basically means Aragon lizard because that's where it's from, Aragon in Spain, specifically from the it was the Lord of the Rings reference,
0: Teriel. <laughs>
2: Aragorn, um, not Aragorn. So yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a large sauropod dinosaur. And the, in fact, that's the reason why she likes it, because it reminds her of Littlefoot's grandparents.
0: Uh, yeah. Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I don't think we mentioned our favourite dinosaurs from from our, our countries. We didn't. Um, so uh, go on then. You you, you go first.
2: Uh, yeah, my favourite, it might be the same as gas. It's always been baryonyx. Loved oh. Baryonyx, loved it since I was a <laughs> since I was a child. So it's still your thunder there,
0: Gareth. Oh yeah, you might have got yeah. You, you know what? You you pretty much yeah. It's the, it's, it's the it best.
2: Is... It's the best UK dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. One of the um, best
0: dinosaurs. You know what it makes hard... Britain great? <laughs> Do you know what? <laughs> Sec- second best to Baryonyx, I'm gonna have to go with something that features as highly in my top ten. Uh, it's got to be Scelidosaurus then for mm-hmm. me the Charmouth Dinosaur. And one day I will find one. Okay. Aaron, what about you? Well, I I too was going to go for baryonics. <laughs> we are so but, um, basic.
2: Well, basic <laughs> baryonyx.
1: <laughs> Just to spice things up, I I thought I'd go for... Because you also, in the question we, that we asked, we also said prehistoric uh, reptile. Yes, we did yeah. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that light, I'm going to name Mosasaurus because we had Mosasauruses here.
0: Yeah, there are. To be honest, the numbers of different dinosaurs all over the place, there's some truly stunning species out there in every different country. Uh, some of them crossing over, obviously, because, well, international borders are just something that we've made up, not the dinosaurs. Mm. They may have made up their own international borders. Oh, yeah, we, don't know. we can't, we can't no, prove yeah. that. Yeah. We don't know that T-Rex wasn't racist. No, we don't know that. <laughs> I mean, you're not really going to pick a fight with him over his political views, I suppose. He would probably just eat you. Mm. But, um, yeah. Right, well, what other questions do we have, Drew?
2: So we have a question from uh, that indie lady who asked, very simply, do your wives get irritated with the the podcast? Which is a very good question. And <laughs> almost feels like, <laughs> I like, wonder why you didn't ask that question. Mm. Maybe yeah, maybe when yeah. we talk about them, we we do it in such a way we're like, yeah. So they gave us an answer because we had to extract it from them every every week. <laughs>
0: uh, I think the simple answer is is yes on my end because um, I mean it's it's time we spend editing, time we spend getting this podcast sorted, time we spend talking about all sorts of bizarre things. I suppose so. Um, yeah, no, she's. Uh, my other half is, as, has basically said yes, but she also sees that as uh, as a useful thing as well. You mm-hmm. know, she doesn't hate it, but yes, can oh, be no. irritating.
2: No, no. Yeah. Well, you can you can be irritated with something and still still love it. I think uh, irritation sometimes comes from a, a passion or a like for something anyway.
0: Yeah, and and I think they all play a part in in helping us behind the scenes, you know, one way or another. Mm-hmm. Just just in the very sense of us being able to record having that time to be able to record, Which, you know, myself and Aaron, having small children, having the time to record without a small child climbing all over the microphone uh, is uh, very useful.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. yeah. One that given half a chance would actually try and talk all our ears off through the microphone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> but for my, for myself or from for Jess rather. Yeah. I asked her asked this question. She said, yes. Same as Paris is for Gareth, and she said particularly though when I was when I was editing a lot, I think I was editing it from about around the Vulture episode up until relatively yeah. recently where where you guys have well actually I went to Galapagos and then you guys didn't really have much of a choice, and uh, and yeah since since we've all been editing every, uh, all the episodes and it saved me quite a lot of time, but also I I I get quite frustrated that because I'm in a rural area and I have rural really bad internet and when we're recording. And sometimes the audio might get as derpy or something like that. But I have to occasionally ask what Jess is doing, and ask me to go easy on the internet, which I really, <laughs> really do Don't not want
0: to do. Watch a video. <laughs> but also
2: we can't have, we can't have the TV on either because it's it's in, it's done in the same room. So yeah, it does it does affect. But at the same time, obviously she does enjoy it, and she puts a lot of work and effort into it because she does a lot of Twitter and um and obviously last year's quiz. And maybe maybe we might do another one. No, maybe. Yeah. And uh, if we do that will that will be if just, you're good. Just as just as hard work as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, if you're good. That's your Christmas present if you're good. If not, we'll yeah. find a way to get coal
0: to all of you. Yep, Which exactly. to be honest, the way that fuel prices are and things like that, it's actually probably not a bad investment, you
2: know.
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Although we shouldn't really be really be burning coal.
1: No. Um, for my part, I I I think Atta does get irritated by it. <laughs> But she's also very supportive of it and enjoys me doing it. I think it stems from just getting time together, really, mm. um, more than anything else. Uh, and it's it's only like a small like she's, she's not like super irritated, just just like minor mm. irritation that uh, I go off and be nerdy for a bit.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we have to bear in mind for the people listening, you might think that this is. We don't put any effort into this, <laughs> and uh, if we all just we just wing it every single week. But there's there is quite a lot of work that goes yeah. into it, and yeah, obviously, but... any work that we're doing into it, it takes time away from that we can spend mm. with with our partners and our families.
1: Yeah, this is all the research, mm-hmm. and then there's actually recording it. Yeah, and it's the editing time. What I have been trying to do is get the editing done straight after we record. Yeah, Especially I do it. I do it. I'm so going to sessions. bed about. Yeah, one, two o'clock in the morning, which means I'm not
0: we've given away all the secrets here. Yeah, it's, uh...
2: <laughs> but then it's done, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. done. It's done. It's out of the way. You don't need to think about it for really for the rest of the week. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's a bit more of an insight into our workload and our lives, I suppose, onto this podcast. And maybe that question warranted <laughs> we turned a question about our our partners into uh, a <laughs> uh, in, into us. But I'll tell you what, though, okay, yeah. that's what we do. It, we do it, it for you. We do, we do it, it for you. you, the listener.
0: Right. Um, so this week's listener question that we're going to be putting out on social media and all around the place. Uh, Drew has got that one. It's based on his news article today. What, what have we got, Drew? Uh,
2: so, yeah, in lieu of um, rainfall, heatwave, extreme weather, Wilson's climate protests and changing his name. Uh, if you were to change your own name to make an environmental statement, what would your new name be? <laughs>
0: Uh, that should be quite good. The the more bizarre, the better, I suppose. And uh, that looks like that will be going up on social media. So you should be able to send us your rebranding of yourself. It could also be rebranding of your Twitter handle, if that's the case, or your actual name. It's up to you. Yeah, um, it's up to you. And, go yeah. about what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If, you're, apparently... if you apparently know, if
2: your name is like James and you just want to change your name to Cataclysm, then go for yeah, go for that last name
0: sixth mass extinction fred <laughs> fred nice. yeah i think that would work but yes you can do so you can get in contact with us and answer uh, that question also on our twitter and our facebook pages um you can also answer it directly on spotify if you're listening to us on spotify just look on the episode question tab and that should be there uh, if you want to send us an email, you can do so by sending us uh, an email to thenathistorycupboard at gmail.com. Uh, our Twitter handle, if like, say if you want to send uh, things to us on Twitter, is at nhcupboard. Uh, and you can see that we have our official blue tick on there as well. It is, it is in fact, a blue tick. It's a lovely blue tick, actually, Drew. Uh, very nicely made.
2: I literally just took a picture of a tick off of Google and changed it blue.
0: Yep. There you go, nice and official. It Simple. is officially a blue tick. Yep. Saved us a whole load of money as well. Mm. Um, yep. Is that how much they were charging to uh, to be officially?
2: It was eight eight dollars a month, wasn't it, or something like that? Eight nine nine. Eight nine nine. Okay.
0: Were, were we ever official?
2: No. 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 No.
0: Oh, no, no,
1: no, no. No, no. 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 But no. we are. We are now. We've, we're not. We've got we're that not blue ticks.
2: Yeah, yeah. 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 We're not. <laughs> we're not like. We're not famous or venerable or what you know, renowned respectable yeah, you're talking or, about or infamous of course we are not yet,
0: Gareth <laughs> notorious you might We're be just reme- as
2: the professor but oh well us chumps <laughs> just,
0: <laughs> just remember if you want to make us more more famous you can do so by mm. leaving us a review uh, liking or subscribing on whatever podcasting service you're listening to us on tell a friend tell an enemy tell a blue tick um why not But that just leaves us to say a big thank you to you, Drew. Uh,
2: Thank you, Professor.
0: It is indeed a pleasure. Uh, And a big thank you uh, to you coming along as well, Aaron.
2: Yeah,
0: no worries. Has the spider caught up with you on the floor yet?
1: (laughs) No, I went to catch it to um, relocate it so that that neither me nor the spider would be in trouble later (laughs) when it was rediscovered (laughs) by someone else who isn't as fond of them. Um, and unfortunately, the spider took this as an attack and ran away, and now
2: I can't find it.
0: Oh, but, you scared him! Don't tell my partner.
2: Okay, <laughs> well, I she doesn't listen well, to this. <laughs> I was going to say, when
0: she listens back to this in a week's time, she'll know that there was a spider there listening in. by which point, exclusive spider. A week is a long time to, <laughs> no, to I just ship myself
1: it. somewhere safe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, if we don't hear from Erin next week, we know what's happened. Mm. (laughs) well that that just leaves me to say a big thank you to you at home for listening and we will see you next time here in the natural history cupboard bye 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 you know i'm something of a hard-shelled arthropod myself